Hi, Steve Arnberg here, and welcome to the New Life Live podcast. We hope to provide help and hope in your life through God's Word, counselors, and psychologists as we answer questions from listeners who call with the challenges of life. Let's go to today's episode. Well, hello, everyone. I'm so glad that you joined us today. And by us, I mean Dr. Alice Benton and Mark Cameron. We're going to be taking your calls for the next couple hours, 1-800-229-3000. And I just want to invite you to reach out. It may be the best way to start your Monday to ask a question, to get some help, to get some direction. Uh, one of the things that I always enjoy is our co-host wisdom. And today we're going to hear from Mark. Mark's got something on his mind. Mark? I do. Today I want to talk about the importance of repair after you've had a conflict. Um, and I noticed that not everybody actually does this uh, well. Um, certain people, especially avoidant people, they just tend to be glad that the conflict is over. And so they may not bring it up after a conflict happens. And then others, especially people who have vacillator attachments, they feel a lot of shame, mm -hmm. typically over bad actions that they take during the conflict. And so this makes them feel flawed to actually address it. And so what I find is those folks will actually tend to do nice things mm -hmm. after the conflict is over when they're feeling the shame, almost like to balance it out. But still, it doesn't get addressed. And so it's so important to address hurts when they happen because if we don't it's like putting something on top of a pile you can only do that for so long until the pile just eventually falls all the way over and so addressing conflicts after they happen it, it's a way to clear out the bank account of sorts and and connect with uh, the other person hear their hurts out um, and you also actually get uh, closeness from the repair it's yes. a way to build intimacy too relationships are a pretty fragile bond and they take a lot of nurturing and care. And if they don't get it on a regular mm -hmm. basis, we grow distant from each other. And whatever's festering inside that hasn't been addressed, it will leak out in a snippy attitude, mm -hmm. in unkind words, in rough behavior. And so um, making sure that we address what's festering in our own hearts and souls, but also drawing out, whether it's our clients, our family members, our friends, even just this morning, one of my children was not speaking at breakfast and none of us knew why. And through some gentle questioning, he admitted he was sad, but even still, he wouldn't tell me why he was sad. So we all gave him some reassurance. We prayed for him, but there's something festering in him right now, and I don't know what it is. So as a mom, it's part of my job to try to gently draw that out of him later today. It's like it's like trying to get a vet venom out, extracting venom from a bite. Mm -hmm. If we don't, it will spread, and it mm. will be destructive eventually. Yeah. So, Mark, what would you suggest to somebody who may need to take the lead in making the repair? You know, that if you recognize, hey, I was a little bit too harsh with that. Like, you know, what's the first step? How do we go back yeah, into relationship? I, I think the first step is just simply acknowledging it. Just be learning mm -hmm. to have that courage and be brave and just to say to somebody, hey, you know, what? I think I owe you an apology. I made a mistake earlier on when you asked me about something. I was stressed. I was looking for my keys and I responded to you harshly. I just wanted to apologize mm -hmm. for that. Sometimes it's just doing these simple little things um, is what builds relationship. And to add I also a, think, go ahead. Oh, well, I was just going to say how many times you guys have had um, counseling sessions where there's a bigger leap of, you know, going back and go, listen, the last five years have been a nightmare. I realize that I'm, I'm doing my work and I'm seeing where I am not healthy. And, you know, can I have a do-over? Can I, you know, how can I 
make this right. And it's, I know that's one step in a thousand miles, but it's still, it's so important. Uh, Alice, go ahead. You got some time. Asking (laughs) the brave question of how did my behavior, how did my Mm, words affect you? And to be willing to just listen. I think it's one of the hardest questions to ask. And, and Becky, so, I love the do-over. The do-over is yeah, so yeah. fantastic because you get to do it again. And, and just given the apology, how much it reduces defenses down yes. and allows you to have the productive conversation. Oh, it's so needed. Well, listen, if you are human, you probably need to do a do-over. <laughs> oh, yes. You can give us a call, 1-800-229-3000. We'll take your call. To find out more information about New Life or to order any of the resources mentioned on today's program, call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. Now back to New Life Live. Welcome back. We were just kind of chuckling because I said, you know, it's so hard because there's been so much estrangement. We hear about it Mm -hmm. so much in families and in relationships. And there's always, I said, two sides to every pancake. And Mark and Alice thought that was hilarious. There are two sides to the pancake. And sometimes we need a little butter and syrup to make it all sweet again. But, um, you know, it's interesting. The, The process of repair will take both people being open to the process itself. But that won't, on its own, fix the whole thing. But man, it's worth it. Mm -hmm. It's worth taking that step in the right direction. Right now, we're going to take a step towards the phone calls. We're going to take some for the next couple hours. 1-800-229-3000. We are going to talk with Geneva, who's calling us from Philadelphia. Listens on WFIL. Hello, Geneva. Thanks for calling today. How can we help you? Yes, I'm calling because I need some advice. My husband is addicted to drugs, Mm. and he's in denial. And I just bought a house a year ago. He didn't help me buy it. He didn't help uh, pay for the moving expenses or anything. And right now, he's in denial, and he doesn't have pay mortgage. You know, I had to pay everything: the gas, the electric, mm-hmm. the water. And he takes his whole check when he gives it and give it to the drug dealer. And I keep telling him that money's supposed to come into the house. And I asked him not to do his his drugs in the house and his nicotine because it affects my health. And he continues to do it. And right now I'm at a breaking point in my life where I can't take it anymore. It's just really upset me. It upset my spirit. And it upsets me spiritually. And I just can't take it anymore. And I'm at the point where I'm considering getting a divorce. Geneva, as you point out, um, even the smoking in the house is affecting your health. I'd imagine that's not his only drug of choice. What's the other concerning substance he's using? Crack cocaine. Oh, gosh. Uh-huh. Uh, and Geneva, do, do you two have children, and do they live with you folks? No, I don't have any children. It's just him and me. Mm-hmm. And have you ever gotten professional help before for this? No, well, I went uh, to counseling at the church with one of the pastors, and that was it. He said it was that that it was his choice for him to go get some help. But right now, he's in a drug program, and it's not doing him any good. Mm-hmm. Geneva, what boundaries have you set? I haven't set in. All I asked him is not to do it in the house. Mm. He knows that it affects me, and I don't. I can't understand why he keeps doing it. And like he keeps saying, "Well, that was yesterday." 
And yeah. I try to explain to him that it's affecting me. So I think your boundaries need to be a little bit stronger. Actually, I shouldn't, I shouldn't rephrase that. It needs to be a lot stronger than don't do it in the house. Because when you, not that you are giving approval, but when you say don't do it in the house, he's, I wonder, taking that as implicit approval that it's okay for me to do the drugs as long as I don't do it in the house. And so I think you're going to need to put some a lot stronger boundaries in place. Um, and that may be that if you continue to do these drugs, you can't live here. Would that be a boundary that you could set? I told him that that if he continued to do it, that I was going to file for a divorce because mm-hmm. I can't cope with it anymore. And did that well, have any effect on him, Geneva? No. Mm-hmm. He keeps doing it. So, well, so- Geneva, well, let me jump in for just mm-hmm. one second. Geneva, you know, the hard part is that you're fighting this battle on your own. It's you against him and the drugs. And the drugs are very powerful. Mm-hmm. So his cognitions aren't typical. Um, when someone's using a uh, mood altering, brain altering substance of any kind, you are not dealing with the rational thought process. And so it would be really helpful for you, even, even if you choose divorce there's still going to be this unwinding of this relationship. And so uh, a recovery group would be helpful. We can get you connected that way. Um, but it's it's not just on you. I can hear the weariness in your voice. And so many times when we're in relationships with somebody who is struggling with addiction, it wears us out. It wears us out. And that's where I, I hear your voice um, Mark, what were you going to say before yeah. I was so rudely interrupted? Yeah. No. no, what I was going to say, Geneva, is, is to build upon actually what Becky just said there. It's a long process to to get a divorce and to split up assets and all those kinds of things. People who have an addiction mindset have a very short-term focus, and it's all about the now. It's all about the next fix. And so when you put boundaries in place, it, the boundaries need to be in the now, and they need to be immediate. Um, because they don't have that long-term thought process. Uh, So that's where you may have to say you can't live here anymore if you're going to continue to do that, and I need you to find somewhere by next week. And it needs... I have said that too. Okay. And have you followed through? I have said that. I have said that too. Have you followed through, Geneva? Nope. And I, and I think well, that's... See, I told him that I would go get a restraining order and have it put up. And I think that's probably where you're getting stuck here is is the hard yeah. is the hard part of actually right. following through. Yeah, because it's it, it's all on you, Geneva. If you just mm-hmm. tell him you need to stop or I'm going to go to divorce or I'm going to get a restraining mm-hmm. order, all those things, you still have to uphold that. What I think mm-hmm. is a first step for you is to get involved with a recovery group so that you get your strength back so that when you set those boundaries, you've also got a crew of people that are going to support you in that. Um, we're so sorry that this is going on. Alice, do you have a final word for her? I would just say that you have the right ideas, Geneva, because you're putting the right boundaries into words. And so you're, you're on the right track with what needs to happen. But that next step then, as they're saying, has to be taken. And, and unfortunately, we just can't reason with a person who's active in addiction at the level that your husband is. Reason and logic don't work with him. It ends up being a waste of your breath. And I'm sure it sets you up for hope and then despair when what the good things you 
you say, don't work with him. And I would just caution you to consider that before divorce, God asks us to do a couple of things first that can work better than just the threat of divorce and that restraining orders along the right lines. Because building enough distance from your husband and his ongoing substance use, it involves emotional distance, the physical distance that we're talking about. It involves putting into place financial distance and even legal distance. So getting an attorney consulting about a legal separation, talking about the the police helping you to remove him from your home because you probably can't physically do that on your own. Those things should be attempted before going the route of divorce. I agree. We're going to send you a copy of Understanding and Loving a Person with a Chemical Addiction for Chemical and Alcohol. I always botch that title, but it is a very helpful book because it is from the perspective of somebody like yourself, Geneva, who's dealing with someone who has addiction. And so we're going to send you a copy of that. I also am going to connect you with Life Recovery Groups because there there is a way for you to connect with them, even if they're not in your local area. We've got online groups. We've got phone groups. Um, but, you're, you know, it takes more than just you. And that's the hard part because we get sucked into the dynamic of the addiction, even if we don't have the addiction. We're dealing with it on an everyday basis basis. I We're going to pray for you too, Geneva, and we, we look forward to hearing from uh, you later when things are better. We're going to even pray for healing for him because, you know, that's that would be a great, a great thing to happen in his life. There's always hope in that direction. We're so grateful that you called. We're going to continue taking calls, 1-800-229-3000, and we're going to talk with Mary, who's calling us from Washington, D.C., listens on WAVA. Hello, Mary. Thanks for calling today. How can we help you? Hello. My problem is um, I have a son and daughter-in-law, and they have three children, and I'm concerned about the well-being of the children. They're not abusive, and they're nice to them, but the, the house is just full of clutter. You cannot even hardly walk through the house, and now it's starting to show up where their clothing is not as neat and clean as it should be, and the hygiene of the children. I had them. They came over to my house, and they took a shower, and they were very excited about it. And they were saying that we can't even get into ours at our place because oh. it's so much clutter in the house. And also, the, the little girl's hair doesn't get combed like it should be. It's like three or four weeks and the hair is not done. And I, I, I just think there's a problem going on with this clutter and the hygiene. And I wanted to do it in a peaceful manner. I They don't realize that I, I think they don't know I really, really know about Mm -hmm. the house because every time I go by, they come out to meet meet, meet the parents. Mm -hmm. They don't allow me to come in. But I know the last time that I was there about three years ago, I could barely get through Mm -hmm. then. So um, I want to know how to do it. And I'm afraid that the little girls are going to be picked on at school. You know, children can Mm -hmm. be cruel and I noticed that at church, uh, some of them don't hang around the children. Oh, you're, and, you're, you're seeing um, that, that the lack in hygiene is already affecting them with their peers. Mary, tell us, what yeah. do you think has been going on for your son and daughter-in-law? What are they so overwhelmed with that this part of life is falling apart? I don't know. I, I think it, I, I know the son is very busy. He's doing a lot of extra working and stuff. And I think that... It's just getting out of hand because the wife works full-time and has three children. And I think that she might can't get to everything she needs to get to because she's kind of busy because they're running the kids to school and to um, after-school programs. But I offered her, the last time I was at her house, I said, you know, you can put your stuff in Tupperware if you want to hold on to some of this stuff because I have an empty basement. And you could just put the stuff in my basement. And she said back to me, 
oh well, yeah, that's a good idea, but they haven't they haven't acted on it. She's just got too much stuff. When you open the door and she orders a lot of stuff, and and there's too much stuff in the house. She can't walk through the house, and I don't want to hurt their feelings, but I. I want to figure out how to help them because I'm concerned more so that they, there's a problem. Mm-hmm. There's a problem going on. Well, but the people are nice. They're good. I don't hear them, you know. They, well, and, they, and they do a lot of eating out because, man, you can't get in the kitchen. So, like, Mary, yeah. you're, you're, giving, you're giving us a really good, yeah. clear description. Mark has something to say. Yeah, so, so one of them is a hoarder here, Mary, and I suspect that it may be your daughter-in-law who's the hoarder and your son may be the one who's going along with it, and he may be going along with it because he feels like she's too powerful for him or he's ashamed. Um, And it sounds like he's the one who's going out and he's working, and so he kind of gets his escape out of the house. Um, But people who are hoarders, they don't necessarily see themselves as hoarders. They tend to see themselves as collectors of things. Um, and, And she's just become blind to it. She's become blind to how much this has overwhelmed the whole family. And just side note here, I wouldn't allow them to store things in your basement because that would just become another place where they where she stores right. her collections of things. Here's what I would do is I would – is it? it's your son, right, Mary? Is that correct? Right. Yes. I would invite your son out for lunch or dinner or something or or a, you know schedule a phone call with him and I would just acknowledge what's happening I would say hey I'm a little bit concerned son here's what I've noticed and I'm concerned for the girls and if they they're not getting their hygiene needs met this is actually neglect and I want to be able to help you um come up with a plan for how how we can help your whole family what do you think what do you think about that mary i just thank you i appreciate it so so but Mm. don't invite just the son not the son and the wife just just the son okay are are you with me is that 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 you think it's the your daughter-in-law who's the hoarder yes yeah yes yes because the, the reason why i know it's her is because um, well, this goes way back to, to the fact that, that at the church, she wanted to put up five Christmas trees and that was the overkill. And then I, when I said something about the Christmas trees, you know, uh, she was saying, well, other people do it. And she was kind of defending herself. But then when it came time to take them down, I was like, well, where are we going to put all these trees? And she just wants to keep them at the church. Right. And, right. Uh, so, and, and every time, like I, I would say, no, this is too much. This is too much. But I don't want to get, you know, I just want to stay right. in her to get along okay. Right. And so I'm kind of walking lightly, but she right. gets too much stuff. She gets too much, well, too much stuff. And Mary, to Mark's point, she may not realize it. And also, it is part of an anxiety disorder leads into hoarding. Because the decision-making process is overwhelming. And they don't know what to do next. It's, it's you know, I might need that. There's also the personification of the things that they keep, which to us doesn't make sense. However, it's her reality. And I think just one little step at a time towards just like, how can I help with loving intention can make all the difference in the world. We'll send you a copy of Jim Burns' book, Doing Life with Your Adult Children. We'll be back. 
We'd love to hear from you. If you have a question or a comment, call toll-free 1-800-229-3000. Now back to New Life Live. When my friend was in college, he walked right-of-way property for a gas pipeline company one summer. In many ways, it was a great job. Lots of sunshine and exercise, walking through the countryside over a large buried pipeline. There were, however, the inevitable bulls, bees, and a few ornery farmers. One day, his journey took him through the field of a farmer who didn't like anyone on his land, right-of-way or no right-of-way. After testing an electrical fence to make sure it was disarmed, my friend prepared to step over the barrier. And while he was straddling the wire, he saw out of the corner of his eye the farmer running for the barn. The landowner was running for the power switch. Are you sometimes like the farmer, quick to turn up the power and heat when someone is in a vulnerable position? I'm Steve Arterburn. Please visit me at newlife.com to learn how to counter the defensive edge. Thanks for listening to this New Life Moment. Wow, that's a, it's a powerful word when you think about, you know, just what we were talking about with Mary. Mary didn't have this edge. She really was trying to help her son and daughter-in-law in love. And uh, <laughs> she's not turning the power up like the farmer was doing. But, you know, um, we, we hear sometimes about the struggles in families uh, similar to what Mary's talking about. But, Alice, you had a few more uh, thoughts that you wanted to share about this call. I do, because this is a problem many of us struggle with. And it's so hard to know how sensitively we need to address it with the person who is part of the cause of the problem. And so eventually, whether it's Mary doing this as a mother-in-law or it's her son doing this as a spouse to his wife, I recommend including a couple of principles when you address this with someone struggling with hoarding or too much clutter. First, point out something good about them. You're such a kind mom. I see how well you love your kids. And I want you to know we, we value you in our family. You're, you're such an important member of our family. We also know you're overwhelmed. Working full time, there are not enough hours in the day. I do have to point out something tough, though, because the kids shared something with me about not being able to make it into the bathroom, and they were real excited to get a shower at my house, and I know this has to, has to be hard to hear, but I think that the overwhelm is making some big issues in the house for all of you. So I need to gently point this out because I love you and I want to help you. So I want to connect you with a coach. And we've got we've got new life coaches who are well trained in how to handle this. I'm willing to pay for the first session. I'm willing to support. I'm willing to come over to help with this. So it's by including these principles of praise, being very gentle with it and offering a solution. But when we address this, we have to be prepared that the offers might very well be rejected and the person may be too defensive. But God calls us to to give truth with a whole lot of grace to our, our loved ones so that we can all help each other with the struggles. It's so true. And isn't it funny because we started the program today all about repair. And that's an example of a conversation about repair that, you know, you because this would be a perfect jumping off place for a relationship. I can't deal with it. She won't listen to me or I can't bring myself to talk. So I'll just stay away. And so what you're saying, Alice, is it's an invitation to step in. Now, you might still be rejected, but you can know that you did what you could with what, um, you know, what was coming to your heart. And, you know, that's the power of relationship. We need other people in our lives. And when we become isolated and, in this case, overwhelmed, we don't even realize what our life is showing up as to other people. And Becky, if 
kids are in danger because the cluttering problem has gotten to be too great and parents aren't willing to address it, then we who love that kind of a family, we may have to involve the authorities because it's a level of neglect that can become very dangerous as a health issue and a safety issue in a home if the problem gets bad enough. So we make the offer of help first, but if we see too much resistance over time, then we we may have to also say, well, then I'll have to call to get help for our family because we're so worried about the kids. And I would say one more thing as a grandmother myself, if they're over at your house, you can say, depending on their ages, so when remember, you brush your teeth in the morning and before you go to bed, you wash your hands. Like you can teach them, even if it's in just this micro moment of hygiene, like you were talking about, uh, mm-hmm. Mark, that, you know, just some of those basic things about um, manners and taking care of your things, that can be, you know, that's acceptable. You're not throwing mom and dad under the bus with that. But one last thing, behind every clutter situation, there is hidden pain. And so it's so easy to judge and to criticize, why don't you have your household together? Because there is probably a pain that has gone untreated. And so let's hold Mm. that compassion as well. I agree. I agree. Well, we're going to go back to the calls. We're going to take them for the next hour and a half, 1-800-229-3000. We're going to talk to Annie, who's calling us from Shreveport, Louisiana, listens on SiriusXM. Hello, Annie. Thanks for calling. How can we help you today? Oh, good morning. How are y'all? Doing well. I just just wanted to tell you, thank you for, I love listening to y'all. Y'all are amazing. Um, I'm I'm married to my husband. We've been married for almost three years. And I used used to be abused by my first husband Mm -hmm. that drank. And uh, he passed away, so I remarried. And this one likes to drink, but he's not abusive or anything, but... It's like when he drinks, it's like I get this mode. I just get so angry, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I don't, I don't feel like I can depend on him. Like if I if I have a, if I end up getting hurt or anything, I can't call him. I can't rely on him because he's too impaired not to drive. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out how to deal with that. All right. Well, Annie, you can hear the music. We're going to take a quick yes. break, and we'll come back with your call with your question. Uh, you know, every Monday we launch uh, Every Man's Battle podcast, a new one every week, and you can uh, listen to it wherever you hear your podcast. Um, we got a, an Every Man's Battle intensive that's coming up in Dallas on March the 1st. And so if maybe if you're not sure if this intensive is for you, you can visit newlife.com and take the short integrity quiz. Uh, or maybe, you know, send it to a man that you love to see if he can pass that test. We'll be right back after this. Today's podcast is brought to you by Club New Life supporters who give a monthly donation because they want to continue to offer help and hope in these very, very difficult places. To find out more about Club New Life, you can go to our website, newlife.com, or call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. Now, if you're new to us, we drop an episode every weekday. We would love it if you would rate or write a review, which helps more people discover help and hope and helps us share wisdom with as many people as possible. Now, let's listen to our counselors as they help people walk through life's hardest places. We're glad you joined us for New Life Live. To be a part of the program, call 1-800-229-3000. Now back to New Life Live. 
Welcome back. We're talking with Annie, and we're going to continue taking your calls at 1-800-229-3000. I have a question, Annie, before we go to Mark and Alice. Uh, I just want to know, um, how long were you married to your first husband? And uh, if I can even ask, what was the cause of his death? Um, 26 and a half years, and he died of a brain aneurysm. Oh, gosh. Okay. And then but, how long this is, I said I was only going to have two questions, but one more. No. How many, how many years between the first husband's death and this new marriage? Uh, nine years, uh, about seven years. And, uh, I will say that my first husband, he was only abusive seven years. And then I finally called the cops and had everything done. And after that, he never abused me no more. He, he did drink, but it's just that you know, now I got this husband and it's like, I get so angry because it, I don't know. And then, yeah, I just don't. And then he left the 11 year old, his, his wife actually passed away from cancer. So his son lost his mom at six and a half. And mm. so he raised his son for a while and he's, he lets his son make decisions when, you know, he's the adult. It's like, it's like, you don't even know how to make decisions. I'm like, wow. Annie, how many beers does your husband drink a day? Uh, like two or three. Two or three. Okay. So that's, yeah, that's quite a lot a week because you're talking about, you know, about 20 beers a week. And he sometimes is so impaired he can't drive. So sometimes he drinks more than that? No, actually he don't. He, he said, we had a conversation about that the other day. He says, well... At least I'm. You know, I don't have beer in an ice box anymore, and I'm not drinking on the weekends. He said, I just like to have a couple of beers, you know, after he gets off work. But then, you, but you think then, you think he's sometimes too impaired to drive, right? Well, whenever, whenever I say, you know, when to me is, I mean, to me that if to me that's like, you know, if his, if something happens to his son, he's asleep. He's not going to be easy to wake up. Right. Annie, what you're saying is the feeling that you're experiencing related to what you experienced in your first relationship, it is triggering this insecurity, this anxiety because of what you have experienced already. And so you're in this new relationship Mm -hmm. and it's Mm -hmm. like, I need to trust him and I don't feel like I can. Is that about accurate? Uh, Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Okay, Annie, going through such awful abuse and the passing of your first husband, what kind of treatment have you gotten into to help your heart with all of this? Um, just praying and uh, working. My kids, my grandkids. I mean, so kind kind of putting it away somewhere. I guess. I mean, I, I went. I feel like I've grieved him already. I mean, I can sleep at. I can. I mean, I'm married and I'm I'm okay with it. I don't have any, like yeah. I don't. You know, I don't think Alice is talking about grieving the death of your husband. Uh, I think she's talking about the work that you've done because you, I think you minimized it, Annie, when you said I own. I he was only abusive for seven years. Seven years is a long time to go through oh, physical yeah. abuse, and so I think that's what Alice was referring to. Is is well, what work have you done to gone? To, to go through your healing from that abuse for seven years. Because even though you feel okay, 
you're having mm. old feelings that mm. are coming out and adding on to the current feelings you have with your current husband. And so his right. two or three beers can feel perhaps as frightening as some of the more excessive use that your previous husband had. And so what we want to do is equip you with the tools that you need both to decrease how much that history adds on to your current anxiety but there's legitimate mm-hmm. fear of, of my husband's drinking a lot. He's drinking very frequently and it's too much for me. I don't want this much alcohol use in my life. And so there, there are ways that we learn through Al-Anon and through boundaries and through being assertive that we can, we can ask for different. And if our spouse won't change, we can decide what we need to do for ourselves to get protection for our heart because this isn't working for me. Well, I, I, I did tell him, I said, if, if if this year turns out like 2023, we won't be married in 2025. Ooh. Ooh. Well, I mean that's just yeah. So we're not we're not minimizing his drinking here, Annie. I think what we're trying to say here, and and Becky put it very well, is that you have this association built up between drinking and your safety. And then I also think there's an association there too that's mixed in with some of the passivity of your husband Uh and not feeling like he's assertive enough to take care of you. And so all of those things are coming together when he's drinking, you're not feeling safe. And then you're also having this thought of he can't protect me if if I have a need. And so that's not going to go away for you until you go and you do your work because I think there's work for both of you here. He's most likely drinking. Uh, I'm I'm wondering here because he has anxiety and that's the way he calms his anxiety by drinking. But you also have those years of abuse to work through. And so typically and, marriage problems are well, not all one person. And Mark, just to that point, Annie, your response to mm-hmm. your husband is, listen, figure it out or I'm done. Because mm-hmm. that's what happened in your first marriage. You were like, I'm not putting up with this anymore. And that's all well and fine. But if you want to have a life together, and I hear him even saying, I'm not doing this on the weekends. And I'm, you know, he's, he's attempting to have mm-hmm. some sort of resolution to this. I think the the next thing for you guys to do, not only your own healing, but the two of you to be together. I would, of course, I would want you to come to our intimacy and marriage uh, intensive that's in Southern California. It'll give you a great place for you both to have these kind of conversations with a counselor and moving it forward so that you both don't have to experience that loss again, because divorce will be just like a death. I mean, it'll be kind of the same thing. Alice? Well, Annie, knowing that you're in in that much pain, that divorce is seeming like the next option and the next solution, I I believe you. I believe there are difficulties in this marriage we we have no idea about in addition to drinking, in addition to not being a good decision maker and the struggle of raising your 11-year-old stepson. if, If you were to pick just one thing that has held you back from getting professional help, And it could easily be, it's not my problem, it's his problem. And it was my ex-husband's behavior that was the problem. They're the ones, obviously, that need the help. Or maybe it's Mm -hmm. it's fear. What's one thing that holds you back from getting your own professional help? But but I have went to talk to people, and I've talked to other women and things like that. So I have... I have talked. I have talked. So I think the key what Alice is saying is professional help, not just friends, a a counselor, somebody who's licensed, somebody who's trained. 
And it's good mm-hmm. you've talked to those people. Mm-hmm. We want to help you ratchet up that level of assistance you're getting because because you're in a lot of anguish here. And you don't have to stay in that anguish even if your husband won't stop drinking. So we just want you to get right. access to more effective help. You need the support of your girlfriends and of the, the pastor at church. You need that. We can get you better better help that will get you along faster. Yeah, right. we definitely I think, I think can. It, 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 it's because I... Um, at the time, I've only one income and I only get paid once a month, so I have to make that stretch out. So that's that's okay. part of it. Was, is and, you and know, the, money? And there are low fee clinics too that you may be able to get help for. I, I'm just sensing a little bit of resistance here from you, Annie. So I just want to lovingly confront you here. Do some do some research. I'm sure you'll be able to find something, and maybe we can yeah. help you find something. And Al-Anon, Al-Anon is free, and Al-Anon mm-hmm. teaches how do we deal with a family member who's stuck in addiction. I also will we'll get you connected, Annie, with a life recovery group where um, we're talking about codependent recovery as well because this also occurs. And a lot of times in our codependency, we, we have this big reaction where we're just like, I'm out because I can't deal with it anymore. Um, and we're going to send you a copy of How We Love because I think that that could be very helpful in healing um, this marriage, and we'll be praying for you as well. Else, I hear you on the edge. I am. I just have to say something. <laughs> on the <laughs> because it probably looks real unfair and feels so unfair mm-hmm. to Annie that we're going after mm-hmm. her yes. to get right. help. When oh, if we had access to the husbands, we would go after them to get help too. But because yeah. somebody else's behavior is causing chaos in one person's life, that the victim can get stronger and better equipped to make changes that will then result in a better environment. So there's just, there's so much, Annie, that we could help you do. And for any victims out there, you don't have to stay stuck until your perpetrator gets help. The help you get can can change everything for you. Don't wait for the perpetrator yeah. to get help. Yeah, we're talking about internal healing. That repair, it, you know, it, it is instigated by somebody else's behavior but it's what we experience inside, and um, there is help for that. Uh, we'll be praying for you, Annie. We, I hope that you and your husband will join us at the Intimacy and Marriage Intensive. It could be the best thing in healing for both of you and for this 11-year-old who's had a lot of loss in his life. You know, when we talk about repair, internal or external, there are ripple effects. Mm-hmm in families, in your legacy, in your community. And, you know, that's what we are all about here at New Life. We really want you to have that transformation, not because just because you're going to feel better, but boy, it makes an impact in the world and we need that. We'll be right back after this. To find out more information about New Life or to order any of the resources mentioned on today's program, call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. Now back to New Life Live. Welcome back. Um, You know, if you are on social media, and there are a few million of you that are, (laughs) I would encourage you to like, share any post that you see from New Life or from Steve, because, you know, it's amazing how that ministers to other people. And I know, Alice, you have been so faithful in posting about when you're on New Life Live and We just want people to know that there's hope and there's help for them, and we want to be part of that. You know, also, I know a lot of you are listening in different ways. We hear um, folks that are listening through the app, listen online, listen through the podcast. And so if you have a phone call or a question for a call, call us Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, 
1 to 3 p.m. Eastern, and we would love to connect with you that way. And, of course, we're always available for you at 1-800-NEW-LIFE. We are going to go to the calls, and we're going to talk with Mary, who's calling us from Philadelphia, listens on WFIL. Hello, Mary. Thanks for calling. How can we help you today? Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I just heard you say how you're there to help people, and I, I do listen to your show, you know, very often during the week. Um, and I think that I'm thinking, well, maybe you can help me out with something that I need to be doing in the next few days. Um, uh, one of our kids is uh, has a nine-year-old, nine-year marriage, and he, um, a couple weeks ago, told us that he, you know, they're separating, and that, you know, he really feels like he just has to move on. And so we, you know, it's the kind of marriage where we figured there was some issues. Um, we had advised them both not to get married when they did, but they, you know, wanted to. And so, and we loved her, loved on them as a family. They have two young children. Um, and we realized that they needed to have counseling. And I, we know that our son was, uh, we weren't sure that she was. And um, when he told us this, we were just kind of, it's the kind of thing where you think it, it might happen, but you just don't ever think it will, because they seem to be going along. You know, they're, they're nice people, nice kids, um, uh, responsible, and, um, but, he, but he had been suffering from, you know, depression on and on throughout his days, and, and one of those people, a people pleaser and stuff like that, and it's kind of as if he just re- thought, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. I'm not being under her control or her thumb anymore. And, and now it's Mary, as you see as you see this unraveling and there doesn't sound like there's a major rupture that happened, there's not a major infidelity, they're just drifting apart. What what's your question for us? How can we help? Well, help with me, you know, this is not only just him, but it's just that whole family. I mean, the first week I couldn't even talk about it. I was just sobbing, mm-hmm. that grief. Yeah. And um, we did get a text uh, from a daughter-in-law saying, you know, that she loved us very much. She was a little shocked that it was moving along so quickly. But I, you know, and I said, well, I texted back and said, um, I just want to be able to share with you with godly wisdom. I just didn't want to go on and just like blurt out how I was upset and all that stuff. And I hadn't gotten in touch with her again for, you know, five weeks now. And and Mary, Mary what, today, what's your... What's today your, I decided, well, yeah, my well, question today, uh-huh. I decided that I want to go and speak with her. But I don't want to, um, you know, I don't want to talk about her side, his side. I just want to be an encouragement to her. I would love mm-hmm. to, you know, point her in the direction of, of, you know, Jesus, the one who can help with restoration and hope, but I'm not quite sure how to do it. And is she a believer? Well, they did get married in a, in a Christian church. She claimed it, basically. I mean, and I would talk about the Lord with her, um, you know, and we would always say, oh, yeah, we'll come and, you know, watch the kids if you want to go to church. So it was kind of there, but not. Our son was raised, you know, in our family and, and, and was saved when he was, like, in fourth grade, and I, well, Mary, I, I actually listen, talked more about the Lord with him. Mary, we're getting close to the end of the show, and I don't want to lose the opportunity for Mark and yes. Alice to give you some direction. And I love your intention, mm-hmm. your your heart, 
towards the family. And to that point, because you have grandkids, you will likely be in her life at different points throughout her life. Mark, what would you suggest as Mary's contemplating having this important conversation with her daughter-in-law or even her son? Yeah, that's what I was actually going to say, Mary, is that she she's the 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 mother of your grandkids and so technically she might not be your daughter-in-law if they get divorced and i don't know if that really means she's not your daughter-in-law anymore but she's going to be in your life and so i appreciate that you don't want to take sides but you may have to listen to what she has to say um because that's going to be important to to understand some more of the dynamics of what's happening in their marriage. Now, you can listen to someone without taking sides. You just acknowledge what they're saying and, and empathize with them. And that actually might be really important to give you insight to know what steps that you might need to take. Maybe you need, you know, depending on what she says, maybe you, you might need to go and confront your son on certain things. But it if he's a people pleaser, that adds to the dynamic of the marriage. And he may have felt like he's under her thumb, but it may be because he's not speaking up. And she didn't realize that um, it felt so controlling to him, especially if she's uh, sad. I would also say this, too. If you haven't spoken to her in five weeks, she's probably hurt by that. And so I would acknowledge that that you know, you've gone this time without talking to her, and maybe you need to apologize and say, I'm sorry, I didn't reach out earlier on. Alice, how about you? I I saw a post the other day, God doesn't hate divorce. He hates the suffering and abuse that leads to divorce. I thought that's just not true. He hates both of it. And, And he hates divorce because of the destruction and suffering that is inevitable. And sometimes divorce is necessary. Sometimes it is. But there is so much suffering that will go on forever for a family afterwards. So Mary, lead with love and listening. And try to get a sense whether or not your daughter-in-law has any desire to fight for this marriage. And if there's opportunity, I let God and the Holy Spirit nudge you on this, on whether or not to put a little bit of truth in about your desire to help both of them, your son especially, fight for the marriage, if, if there's any willingness in there to do so. And then offer the kind of support you can give. Uh, whether it's financial for counseling, whether it's that ongoing babysitting, the things you've already been doing, and ask her, how would you like me to help? Because I am for your marriage, and I don't want the pain of divorce for all of you, if it's at all possible, but mainly listen. I love that. And Mary, we're going to send you a copy of Doing Life with Your Adult Children, Keeping the Welcome Mat Out and Your Mouth Shut, which is very hard to practice a lot of times. But I love what you said to both of you. But, Mark, when you were talking about it has been five weeks. And so, you know, it's funny because a lot of times our own pain in the situation can prevent us from overcoming those obstacles. And this goes full circle back to what you started the show with, Mark, Mm, about repair. And, you know, when time passes... Literally, it gets harder and harder to go back in. But Mark, how would you encourage Mary, because it has been five weeks, what would be a lead question or comment that she would say? Yeah, I I think you acknowledge that you haven't spoken to her for five weeks, apologize for that, and, and ask, you know, Alice mentioned this, how did that make you feel? How do you feel when mm-hmm. I was distant? Um, and then just and then listen, be that listening ear. Again, you don't have to take sides. You're just there to listen and hear her out, uh, Mary. And then the other thing that we've talked about here a few times now is intimacy and marriage. That might be something that you can help them get to. 
I think that would be yeah. really important. I think we're going to send, I also want to send her a copy of Understanding a Loving, uh, Loving a Person with Depression mm-hmm. and that she can give that to the daughter-in-law because it's tough when somebody struggles with that. Thanks so much, Mark and Allison. Thank you, listeners. We're going to continue taking your calls, 1-800-229-3000. If you are on the line, please hold and we'll get to your call right after uh, we take a break. But we're so grateful for each and every one of you and hope that you will experience God's blessings today. Thanks so much for listening. We hope something you heard will help you live in freedom today. If this content was helpful for you, we would love it if you'd take a minute, leave us a review, post about it, and rate it. Remember, we have resources and workshops online for you as you continue your journey. Go to newlife.com and find out more information. And thank you for being part of the New Life community. We know that God desires all of us to live a life of wholeness and healing. And we're so glad that you're here.